All right, wherever you are in the cosmos, we are back, and we are live right now. Dan's Game Room, a uh, little bit of a hiatus here. Um, lots happened in the past, well, almost a year since February, um, but I am here joined once again by Keith. What's up, dude? Hello, Cosmos. <laughs> Hello, greetings, Hello, Cosmos. Hello, the space. <laughs> I mean, actually, the last time I recorded a podcast, you were here. Um, that was Halo. The, the right? Halo yes. series overview, uh, you, me, and Matt. And yeah, believe it or not, that was February. What a what a year it's been. Funny how the topic couldn't be more related uh, with, with the recent Halo on, on PC. Halo, Halo Reach, <clears throat> Halo Master Chief Collection. Yeah, making the jump. PC now. Making the jump to PC. Um, it was interesting because we, Keith and I share a pretty large group of friends. Um, and I have it on Xbox One, and I was looking forward to playing against everyone else, but apparently there's no cross-play from the Steam version to Windows. I mean, you'd have to get it on... Um, the, the Xbox storefront on yeah. on on Windows. Have you messed with that at all? Or no, I haven't. And I I guess wrongly assumed that there was cross platform oh, play. Same, yeah. Uh, or I <clears throat> maybe had gotten it in my head that that would be uh, added on as a feature at some point. Okay. And it may still be down the road, along with the other Halo games aside from Reach, because as you know, the community has come to find out, that's the only game that's part of the collection right now on PC. You can only play Halo Reach. Uh, but I think they are updating it over the course of the next year or so with the other games, and I would really hope that something that they add as a feature would be cross-platform. I don't know why they wouldn't <clears throat> want to aim for that, but it just yeah. seems natural that PC players and console players would be able to to go head-to-head. Well, head well and... especially with the controversy of um, Sony for the longest time not doing any kind of cross-play at all, mm-hmm. um, even on games that, like, Microsoft and Nintendo, I mean, well, they kind of formed an unlikely partnership when they're like, yeah, we want everybody to play Rocket League together or yeah. Minecraft together, whatever. But Sony's just like, nah, man, we're not even going to let you change your name on the server. Like, we're done. Nope. Yeah. You got to play it on Sony. So it's, it is just kind of interesting to me that in 2019, almost 2020, there's there's just a weird kind of technicality for Xbox crossplay because it's like if you – you kind of almost have to either stick in the console space – or the PC space, even though you could play the console game technically on PC, it's just getting confusing. And then there's Game Pass thrown in. Like I'm feeling old this year because I, <laughs> I don't, I don't quite get it. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I would have thought that with the kind of growing um, MOBA and like battle royale genres, the Fortnite craze, Fortnite, mm-hmm, and then like you know leading into that, there was plenty of uh, League of Legends, Dota, just a lot of. Um, reasons to own a PC for like younger generations. I would have thought that that would have been kind of like a, a ignition for Microsoft, Sony, to start looking at at least cross-platform play with PC. But I I just don't understand the hesitation to have cross-platform play in general. It seems really uh unintuitive backwards yeah and i i think the 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 first argument that you hear is the fact that there's maybe higher refresh rates or different levels of latency or precision with a mouse and keyboard versus a console but honestly it's to me it's almost detrimental for the company to 
make that decision for the consumer. And I think that it's just like as simple as in this case, like I just want to play Master Chief Collection with yeah. my friends. You know what I mean? With you guys. So it's just kind of a bummer yeah. that. Like, I, I I feel like a reason that games can tend to start to like die off is that it gets harder and harder to find like matches. And that's always a really oh, yeah. frustrating feeling if you've been playing a game that's aging or playing a game that wasn't, you know, hugely popular on its debut Mm -hmm. you would think cross-platform play would help shore up some of that so that you're always able to find someone to play with between you know ps4 xbox one xbox yeah even switch but but also pc for sure it's like those games could still have a reason for players to log on knowing like hey no matter what i'm gonna get matched with somebody so, in my yeah, country. Yeah, or, in my yeah. country. So that's one more reason to like buy another skin, buy another, you know, weapon pack, buy something because the game's not dead. And because games have fallen out of the like single player realm, n- not entirely. Like there are mm-hmm. definitely success stories with single player games, but thank God. <laughs> yeah, the the tendency for <clears throat> developers to kind of shy away from single player and focus exclusively on multiplayer, you would think that it would be in their best interest to constantly be firing off games, never ignore an opportunity to have people playing and engage people in the community. Because even if you let Switch users come into your PC game or whatever, you are still doing more community engagement. And if you hop on on your PC and you say oh, wow, I guess there's a ton of people on, like you said, I'm going to buy a skin right yeah. now or whatever. So it's, it is, it is strange that it's not something that's just kind of more yeah. widely accepted. It's, it's probably in <clears throat> part due to uh, limitations of, you know, the different uh, development kits for those, har- for the different hardware, hardware, software, everyone's got to make their own cut of the money. Yeah. And maybe when it's cross play, it's a little muddied, but Speaking of which, before I move on to what we've been playing lately, I am curious, um, have you delved into Google Stadia much? Or do I've you know? seen bits and pieces here and there, but I personally have no experience with it. I, I guess I heard some criticism of it, that it was kind of a lackluster launch. Yes. But that's about as far as I know. And, and I won't ramble too much about it, but it's interesting to me just because as somebody who is – I'm very big on – original hardware. I mean, I, I try to have all my systems set up in the best video quality and I may use flashcards to play backups. Of course, I may use flashcards for convenience for some of these games, but I like to play on original hardware. So it's really interesting to me as a gamer to think about the potential future where all games are just streaming and Stadia, basically their big thing for the, for the uninitiated like what is stadia could you give a brief explanation yeah google stadia is basically if i understand it correctly a kind of a cloud gaming service that is um done by google where all the processing load of these games instead of being done by a local console or a computer is going to be done on the servers in google america headquarters whatever so you can get final fantasy 15 or assassin's creed and you can run it on your smart TV with the Google add-on. It's kind of like a Roku or a Chromecast. You okay. plug it into a USB or an HDMI port, whatever, and you just run it off that with the... And you can use the Google controller, and it just 
it boasts like 4K. Remote play. Remote play yeah. 4K gaming on your TV. Uh, and so, in practice, how well has that worked out? Woof, dude. Yeah. It's It's been, it's, <laughs> there's, the problem is the internet infrastructure I don't think is there in many parts of the world, but especially the United States where if, even if you have cable internet, then like most areas have some kind of monopoly and the prices are, you know, outrageous. So you're not getting the best internet. So what ends up happening, like Digital Foundry, they were doing some reviews of some Google Stadia games and they were just the consensus with them and across YouTube, it seems, is that it's not quite there yet. And it seems like Google is selling a beta as a product right now. And then later in like next year, there's going to be more features and options. But right now it's just like you're paying an exorbitant amount to get all the, the kit and then you're probably paying more for internet and up buffing yeah. your internet up to get just kind of a lackluster experience. And for me, I'm just kind of weary of the Stadia versus and, and like in the Xbox Game Pass and all these things where it's like, do you own these games? Are they, you know, just you're you're owning the rights to them temporarily and then when you get them in a streaming way, I yeah. mean, are you even It's interesting that Google will take some risks with like their product lineup like this and they have so much uh, backbone as far as like money goes like they could pretty much shoot for the moon on anything and have it fail and still survive <laughs> they walk away clean yeah and they they walk <clears throat> away clean and we've seen this with other um like launch ideas uh i know even more recently like aloe was <laughs> yeah kind of a failed experiment google plus yeah google plus was a failed experiment they kind of uh, they they dumped the money and then suddenly like everyone's like we have a strong Small but hardcore community, you know, and then it's like, well, we're done, you know, right. and and they're so successful in <clears> so <throat> many things that it's given them this like leeway to try these kind of experimental, almost like too soon to be good ideas. It's a shame that not all of them can be successful from launch, but I think it's at least like kind of admirable that they're trying these things. Obviously, Google is not without. It's, you know, negatives. Yes. It, it has a very, it, it can have a very dark side. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're <clears throat> just part of modern day society where it's like the corporate big brother rather than the government yeah. big brother. Well, it's almost like, I call it like their cool big brother. They're not just like, you know, like they, Google is kind of like, um, <clears throat> they don't want to get you in trouble. They just want to sell you stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then, I mean, that's not true. <laughs> you, you still can get they, in serious trouble you because of information that Google well, gives the, away. But. And, and, that, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, with Stadia, that's a good point because they're learning how often you're using their service. Like, which, I mean, analytics for gaming is a little different, and it's not like they're selling your information necessarily, but they're, what, they're, they're learning more about your screen time just like they would with a Chromecast. They're learning your gaming habits and targeting ads directly at you. Right. And they're also learning about your internet. Yeah. I mean, speed and all this stuff. And it's like, maybe I'm just paranoid. <clears throat> but again, it's like, as somebody who just beat Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo, I don't have to worry about my information being stolen. You right. know what I mean? Like, I guess in the dark ages of gaming, right? The glory days, right? But um, I just wonder if we talk about Stadia in a year, I wonder where where it'll be and i also wonder for the next gen of consoles how big these game pass type things and streaming things and and it is you know curious that they're doing it now kind of getting out getting out of the way the 
initial steps to this like grander experiment, which will almost certainly be, you know, we, we thought it when steam was first implemented, when it was first released, that it was a joke that it would never sell. People would always want physical copies of their media. Yeah. And while that is true in some cases, because like collector's items can have a quality uh, that is, it's it's something you can't trade for like a digital copy, mm-hmm. um, especially with medium that is like reliant on its physical characteristics, like vinyls, um, like of course like paintings, anything like that. You know, a physical copy will never replace, or I'm sorry, a digital copy will never replace the physical copy. Mm-hmm. But more and more people are okay with the majority of the time owning a digital copy of games nowadays, especially games. Um, but I would or say the same or, true is probably, yeah. yeah, the same is probably true for music and movies and more, uh, art forms, <clears throat> but specifically gaming and steam like that in and of itself should be enough proof that stadia is not something to look at as a failed experiment, but something to look at as like the first of many, like yeah. this, this won't be the last you hear of, streaming games in this way yes i it is just it's it's more notable and getting more attention because of the fact that it's google right and i think there's something you know kind of ethereal and um just special about having um you know a, a manual in your game you know like or extras you get stickers or like with your vinyl you pull out the insert and you look at the art and all this stuff um or even just having just just different kinds of you know you know physical media. So it's really interesting how gaming almost seems to be going like the physical editions are more niche. You know, um, like I got Yakuza Six, uh, the special edition, and it came with two lowball Scotch glasses. Yeah, that's cool as hell. And it came with whiskey stones, and it came just with a bunch of stuff. And I was just like, this is this is something. Even if you're not a huge fan of the game, you're like, I can appreciate. The uniqueness of yeah. this, whereas with <clears throat> with Stadia or a streaming service, you're like, here's Assassin's Creed three again. I wouldn't you be know? surprised if there's a point in the future where physical copies of games are almost exclusively collector's editions, yeah. and it's like you buy the physical copy because it comes with a uh, cloth an map, art, yeah, or, artwork, yeah, uh, a, yeah cloth, something extra for the like diehard fans and standard edition will just be, like, yes, if you buy it physically, you will have, whatever, a box or something, but it'll just be a code. Yeah. You know, whereas physical copy, it's like, all right, well, you you paid seventy nine ninety nine, you paid eighty nine ninety nine. so here is the disc, you know, you, and your you old statue. man. Yeah, yeah, here's the disc, you old man. <laughs> here's also a poster or a, you know, a textile or a, some, some sort of add-on that looks good on a shelf, looks good on the wall. Um, but 99% of, not 99%, but a large majority of consumers don't quite care enough to invest the extra 30 or 40 bucks. Yeah. And, and I think that you really will see the market for physical games then not only become more niche and collector, like you're saying, but also probably skew towards an older demographic that have maybe more disposable income. If you can get the digital for 20 or the collector's edition for 60, you're probably going to get more diehards and people that, you know, have had jobs and you're like, I am crazy enough to buy this. Yeah. It's also telling that like the companies 
would almost certainly be interested or at least or invested in like chopping any secondary market in half that they can like any any bit of secondary market that they can take out and eliminate Mm -hmm. it furthers their own best interest because then people can't you know go in and, and trade old games to get yakuza they have to buy Digital their game. own copy or they have to pirate it which is the you know the only way you could track that like you can't track how many people go into you know video games etc and buy a used copy of gears of war 5 but you can track how many people download gears of war 5 yeah yeah you can you the and the second hand in theory you could probably <clears throat> do some tracking of how many people pirate gears of war 5 yeah because of downloads yeah. or whatever but yeah, you not only are is the potential elimination of like, hey, I'm I'm done with uh, Dragon Quest. Do you want to borrow it? Yeah. You know, or and or what do you want to trade me? You know, to use or I'm going to trade it in to get the new console. You know what I mean? I want to yeah. trade all my Xbox games in or whatever. It's just it's interesting that that kind of special quality goes away if you're just downloading a game. And playing it from a Google server. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you can gift it to me or whatever, but it's not the same. Yeah. So, well, it's, I guess we'll be there to see it, but I, as long as, as long as I'm still collecting and gaming, I'm going to go for the physical edition when I can. I, I do it as often as I can. There are some games where I don't care enough to yeah. go get a physical copy, but it is a much more rewarding feeling to like actually have the cartridge or the disc. You hunt it down. Oh, my voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, you hunt it down and like or there's like a I've paid a premium for the physical yeah. um games. Like uh Donut County is a game on Switch and PS4 where you're it's it's pretty cool where you're basically controlling like a hole. And I I I I've only seen little bits of gameplay of it. I I was able to get a limited edition um like kind of a physical edition for it so i'm waiting to play it but from what i've seen you're like controlling well it's kind of like katamari where you're kind of collecting junk but it's in this hole and you're dealing with raccoons and all this stuff it's like funny right but it's just it's cool that that type of game even has a physical release um but there are i'm i noticed that i'm more prone to just go digital on the switch if I have to go digital, if I'm like, ah, oh, this is never going to come out physical or yeah. I don't want to wait for a limited run to do this in two years or whatever, um, or I am eight bit or whatever. But yeah, the, um, the like smaller releases, the, um, what would you call them? You know, indie? the, yeah, the indie games, uh, the idea of getting a physical copy of some of those games is, can, can be far fetched just because like you said, if they have a physical release, it's limited, or it's foreign, and or, you have to go out of your way to find these things. Play Asia, yeah. or whatever. Uh, it's not undo. It's not unthinkable of, of getting these things, <clears throat> but it is an extra effort, and it's kind of a tax on your desire to collect them. That and play it immediately is not know? always realistic. It's well, exactly yeah. that, and it's not a common consumer thing. I feel like a lot of gamers know about Play Asia or Limited Run or yep. I Am Eight Bit or whatever that site is. It's just like you have to pay more, you have to wait longer and it might not even be in your native language. So it's like, yeah. you really are, if you're importing games from play Asia newsflash, you're pretty hardcore in the gaming market. And a lot of the common consumers just don't give a shit. Right. They're like, yeah. they're like, I just, 
it's all the same. I don't want to put a cartridge in. I want to play Pokemon wherever I am all the time. So it's just, it's just kind of funny that we can talk about it for 15, 20 minutes and be like, you know, worried about it. But many people are like, hell yeah, I don't have to download nothing. I'm yeah. playing I mean, TV. The concern of like, well, if I have a physical copy, it's always mine and they can't, you know, strip my account of that. It is very unlikely that they would ever follow through on some sort of like, oh, well, that's our property. We're taking it back because it's like they want you to continue buying more releases. And if they ever did that to you, you would never they know, you know, a huge percent. Yeah, you would never buy another game again. And it's like that's a huge sunk cost to them. They, you know, they know that, hey, this guy has spent uh, $400 over the last two years on games from Nintendo Let's strip his account of all those games. <laughs> He'll be <Or> fine. Or <laughs> would you rather make another $400, you know, this year and next year? Or, or It's like they ha- there would be a very real cost if they were to go back on the promise of this is your copy. It is a digital copy, but you own it and you can – here are your rights. You can transfer it from system to system. You can transfer it from this account to that account. Some companies are more lenient than others. And in an ideal world, it's like you would just get the file and maybe there would be some sort of security on it so that you're not like just a a copy DRM. Yeah. But or like a a check for your account, maybe. Right. So, you know, who's to say exactly what is what they're capable of, what they're what is possible. But I don't see a future where like on a whim, they would just strip you of your games. Well, and and people, I guess, to finalize that thought um, from my end, people remember People remember it because even a demo, do you remember the PT demo? People are still talking about it. It's uh, um, Guillermo del Toro and I think, was it Hideo Kojima? Yeah. And they made this, um, it was kind of like a Silent Hill demo type thing and it was just... This was before the fallout between Hideo Kojima and and Konami. Konami. Yeah, and it's just this, it was this brilliant kind of a... uh, appetizer of a horror game and a lot of people had it downloaded and then it just... It fell. Kojima had a falling out with Konami, and it just they took it off the store. And then I remember hearing about PlayStation Fours that had PT demo downloaded were selling online for like twice the cost of a normal oh. PS4 because you you could keep it, but if you deleted it off your hard drive or if you wanted was, to get it, no to it was gone. It. That is yeah. And I even I crazy. think that even happened on the Wii to an extent, even with like some Nintendo games. I don't know, but. God. Anyway, well, speaking of uh, Nintendo and and um, we're looking at our switches in front of us right now. Um, what have you been playing recently? Um, and what platform have you been playing on most? Yeah. So I'm going to lead this off by saying that there was a, a duration of time where I was doing uh, as best I could. I was uh, making sure to complete games that I started mm. and I You're have fallen man. off the train. I, I've, <laughs> I've fallen off the wagon. Uh, Welcome. I was on like a hot streak of beating um, breath of the wild. I had, uh, let's see, what was the other game I had just beaten? Um, I had just beaten. It was another switch game. Well, I apologize <laughs> that I can't think of it, but I, I had beaten a few games in a row uh, games that I had left untouched for you know months because mm-hmm. a new game would come out a new release would come out and i was like oh let me swing back and and finish this old one um oh it was kingdom hearts i had started oh, playing Jesus. kingdom yeah. hearts uh for for ps4 the collection and 
There was a time where I was... Like the doldrums of the confusion that is Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, so I I had uh, finally beaten Kingdom Hearts 1 again as an adult, because I had completed Mm. it as a kid, but if you've played that game, you know that you don't remember everything from that game. Like, that game has a lot of um, nonsensical, like, plot lines that are very hard to follow as a kid, and if you try to watch a YouTube video explaining, like, the timeline of Kingdom Hearts, you're gonna need a pen and paper, like, a a pen and paper to write down all of the details. Yeah, especially even, like, as someone who didn't play Kingdom Hearts as a kid, I beat one in leading up to the th- the three yeah and i was playing two and i didn't have enough time so i jumped into three and i watched the summary video dude i was more confused oh yeah at the end. <laughs> it's like yeah this guy's a look-alike but he's nice it's, it's almost like the uh metal gear solid like naked snake solid yeah. snake liquid yeah. snake whatever yeah. but anyway carry on so, so so proceeding you know what i what i'm going to say as the games that i'm playing right now uh, I had been on a hot streak of, like, finishing a few games in a row, and that felt really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, that is no longer the case. I'm all over the place. I'm playing a hundred <laughs> different games, yeah. and it feels terrible. Uh, <laughs> Gamer ADD. Yep. So, I guess, in order, uh, I had started Kingdom Hearts 3. I was trying to finish Pokemon uh, Let's, Let's Go Pikachu, mm-hmm. and I had started uh, Outer Worlds. So I had those three kind of going on simultaneously. And then more recently, in the last few months, um, Gears of War 5, Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield have come out. Mm -hmm. And my attention is swapped over to, like, those three as the main trio of of Doom. The juggle, yeah. So, obviously, like, the never-ending story is Halo and, to a lesser extent, Gears 5, because my time spent on those games is more invested in multiplayer, yeah. which has no ending. Like, right. you could just infinitely play and disappoint yourself over and over Yo, again. Scoping fools yep. and uh, feeling bad about yeah. <laughs> or, or, I guess, surprising yourself. I, there's been a couple games where I've really, like, happily surprised myself picking up the sniper rifle and getting like a few no scopes and stuff and it's you like still got it type there's of feel. something yeah. there yeah <laughs> i i'm not where i was when i was younger but there there is some like essence of skill there um so i've been playing those but the more uh focused game has been pokemon sword of and course yeah. i am I, i'm not i have not beaten it but i have really like relished my time in the wild area and it's been kind of a treat just like running around controlling the camera controlling the camera it's almost unparalleled in other pokemon games the gameplay and feeling of being in the wild area because you're like i could almost run into anything out here and when i first got into it i was like oh okay there's gonna be a ton of different wild areas and there will only be a handful of Pokemon in those wild areas. I feel like I've been in the same wild area for, like, three hours. I just, like, yeah. pick up my game. I'll play it for a little bit. Maybe go to the Pokemon Center to heal if I need to. Yeah. But I'll keep playing, and it's like, oh, this is an entirely different batch of Pokemon than I was seeing yesterday or in the, like, previous weather slot. And that yeah. is super cool. And it's also, like, a reason I'm not proceeding forward in the game i just like keep going out seeing new pokemon and I'm grinding like, well, shit, the wild I gotta area catch, i gotta catch all of these guys now too well it's it's a revelation um i think for the pokemon series and i, I still think it's imperfect i still think it's 
too easy in some ways, but let's face it, Pokemon's not aimed at our demographic. I mean, then the nostalgia factor is, but it's made it's a kids series. Yeah. So it's always going to be too easy, but dude, just when I first got into that wild area and I ran into a I, I it was like a some kind of a lesser common poke. It was like a haunter or a, a huge yeah, onyx yeah. or I ran into somebody and I was like, "Holy shit, I'm just yeah. going to catch this." And I felt really cool, right? And then I get up to the to, to the Pokemon and it's like, you're not catching this. You it's, it's, it starts, <laughs> it starts one shotting all your guys. And for those, for the, for the three of you that haven't played Pokemon, um, the, the wild area is kind of equivalent just to more of a, the closest thing Pokemon's ever been to an open world in that Almost sense. Almost like if the Safari zone were like battle level. If you could actually yes. battle and have a legitimate Pokemon experience in the Safari Zone, Ooh, that's a good comparison. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was when I when I was first traveling through it. I was like, oh wow, this is really um, this this feels as if you're in the Safari Zone, but you're forced to still like battle these Pokemon. You're not throwing rocks. Yeah, and there's candy or whatever. There's a, a ton of variety as to like the Pokemon you could encounter, and unlike previous games. Uh, that might not be true for Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, because I think this was the case. But you can see the Pokemon in the grass. Yes. For the most part. There are a few um, surprise Qu- exclamation Yeah, I don't know what you'd call them. Basically, it's, it's less common encounters or specific or more special encounters versus like you'll see a lot of like i don't know like pidgey running around or whatever um yeah. but then there'll be like a point that comes up in the grass and you're like i gotta see what this guy is yeah you get the metal gear solid like <laughs> you've been spotted yeah alert. and uh those those are really cool i also really enjoy the like dynamax um Battles uh, ca- catch opportunities, yeah. That that is way more fun than I thought it would be. I thought it was kind of gimmicky in the trailers, but there's just something about when you are in a, like a Gigantamax form or whatever, and yeah. you just you're throwing that ball with two hands over yeah. your head. You know, it's just like, damn. Yeah, it does feel better than I thought it would, just like based on initial trailers and and gameplay. Um, so I I'm glad that they didn't just throw it in as like a pure gimmick. There is yeah. some. Uh, logic behind it and fun behind it and i don't know how you escalate things from here like what is the next game yeah, gonna be like is it just gonna be like all wild dimensional pokemon <laughs> yeah i but. i think i think we because and for those who haven't heard it i mean for fans of the show we did do a large pokemon episode early on uh in the show's history so check that out i remember then we were all talking about it was like five or six of us we were talking about the history of the series and where we wanted it to go I think if I could go back and tell myself at that time uh, what had happened, they'd be happy. Just because the I think the only way they could have improved it for me is um, not the only way, but some of the big ways would be if they added multiple regions, you know, like all like you know different Kanto, Johto, all the Hoenn, but also if they would have you know ramped the difficulty or whatever, but or just to make the whole thing a, a wild area, yep. right? But overall, I'm pretty impressed and I'm pretty Co- pleased coming from. Let's go Pikachu, uh, which was like a fine experience, but it felt pretty underwhelming for me. It was very handy. Coming into this game, I was definitely pleasantly surprised, and I was like pretty ready to be disappointed because of some comments I had read online mm-hmm. and controversy. Half the Pokemon. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize uh, reading those comments. It seems like. Uh, the gauge for people that are like diehard Pokemon fans. And I mean, like they've played competitively, you know, they're used to like Eevee training and stuff. 
there could very well be disappointment for those for that crowd. I'm just not inundated with that stuff. And, meta. Yeah, and I I see uh, why it appeals to people. I enjoy like the few you know YouTube clips I've seen of of competitive <clears throat> battling and like people explaining it. It all looks very appealing and interesting. And if I had more time. Yeah, that's then I it. probably would, mm. you know, invest some into that aspect. But because I'm not, and I'm playing more, six games, at yeah, once. <laughs> more or less a casual Pokemon player. Uh, and of course, there are things that I do take seriously when I'm playing it. But it's like for the most part, I'm just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. With that in mind, it is super enjoyable. I am having a ton of fun with it, and it never feels like a chore. Whereas Let's Go Pikachu was like, it was holding my hand so much. Jesus, yeah. It was... That I almost felt like I wasn't even contributing to like the difficulty of the game. It was it... just like, I'm, I'm drifting from town to town with no challenge at all. Hopeless, despondent, yeah. just kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you the thing about Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, it really was the... I don't want to say cash grab, but the pull of the Pokemon Go players to the franchise and to the Switch. Yeah. You know, whereas, like, if for for those of you that either aren't really into Pokemon or haven't played since Gen 1 or 2, I mean, Keith and I here have been playing since Gen 1, and I think we can both say, just buy this game. If you're an RPG fan and you want to give Pokemon another chance, just get back into it. Give it a shot because this is the most fleshed out, robust Pokemon game um, since Gen 4, I think. Yeah, uh, so many so many of the issues I had with Let's Go Pikachu uh, are just completely like fine-tuned and repaired. Mm. And it, it has definitely given me a lot of faith in like future iterations in the series. Yeah. Um, there's, of course, room to improve as far as, like, graphics and uh, animations go. Yeah. Because, like, damn, we are in 2019. It would be fucking nice if these Pokemon <laughs> would actually move when they use a move yeah, instead of doing? just, like, wiggling left <laughs> and right. Yeah. It's the, they... But having said that, if you're not looking, if you're not looking at it as like, I need Unreal Engine 8, I need, <laughs> you know, flashy animations. If you just accept that it's a Pokemon, like Nintendo franchise. Cartoony. Yeah, that it is cartoony. You kind of have to like give it that uh, leniency that it's not supposed to wow you visually or, or wow you performance wise. Then it is an awesome experience. Yeah. Gameplay wise. Yeah. And wild area. They've done some like quality of life improvements, but they don't necessarily take away from like the challenge or difficulty. And it seems like they really set you up to like face higher level Pokemon early in the game, which is almost the most welcome change is like, I rarely play a Pokemon game where I am under leveled to the enemy's Pokemon. This is the first game I've played in years where I came across challenges and I was like, oh shit, they're actually five levels higher than me. Yeah, you get into a battle and you're like, actually, I'm in trouble here. Yeah, you know? I, I'm, I'm going to need some items. And I'm I gonna... guess and I guess maybe they did crank the difficulty in a little bit in that sense of it seems like you have access to stronger Pokemon and stronger 
Like, as long as you're not grinding those wells of light. The yeah. Gen- and, you know, because that's apparently yeah. what Matt did. Um, a friend of ours has been on the show. But he was grinding over and over on, like, just doing battles. And he'd get these strong Pokemon. He's like, well, I'm steamrolling the game. Um, but if you're just kind of playing the game at a normal pace and not lurking in the wild area, I think you have a chance of encountering some, some you know, pretty strong enemies as far as for Pokemon. Yeah. You're not going to, like, throw the controller in a rage, but you're definitely going to be like, I'm a little sweaty here. Like, this is yeah. <laughs> for a Pokemon game? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's definitely one I've been playing a lot of, too. And I need to play more Pokemon. I have recently um, gotten sidetracked originally with beating Donkey Kong Country for the first time, which was so challenging. I'm considering it for my epitaph. Um, but, God, what a game. It had a fake ending, too. Spoilers. It had a fucking fake ending. And I threw the control. <laughs> I put the controller down. I was, like, doing my victory lap or whatever. And suddenly it's, like, the end question mark. And then King K. Rule comes back to oh, life. Shit. I was like, this is just great. <laughs> then I had to spend another 30 minutes beating it or whatever. But uh, So after I, I got sidetracked with that... I got back into Octopath Traveler. Okay. Um, I, I would love to uh, find my footing in that game again after I finish at least Pokemon. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to start working backwards. Octopath Traveler was a game I had started along with, like, the other... Uh, in the mix. Yeah, in the, in the mix. Good Lord. But, you know, Octopath Traveler was really fantastic while I was playing it. Um, there were some qualities about it that I thought were a little... Like pacing wise, it was a little slow. It can it can slow down between certain chapters, and there are definitely moments like right now. I'm on everybody's chapter four, okay. and basically, if you guys haven't heard of Octopath, I mean, shame on you. But uh, it's uh, one of the finest, more traditional RPGs on the Switch. Sixteen um, bit graphics, but kind of updated, and it's just just phenomenal. Um, it almost looks like it could have been like on a Sega Saturn, like it, a, a strong. It's certainly like uh, the style reminds me of like Golden Sun or any of the like really polished Game Boy Advance, Game Boy RPGs. Advance, Super Nintendo RPGs, like Dragon Quest Six. Um, very anything with strong kind of just graphical touches. It's yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. And there's a it's called Octopath Traveler because you are choosing. Um, and battling with eight different storylines that kind of weave together. Yeah, eight different and, characters. And there are chapters for every character, and I am stuck on chapter four right now. I just It's the first bosses that I really have just been getting steamrolled on. So that's a rewarding thing, and I think I'm getting near the end. I'm seeing the light, so I want to beat that. Um, but then I need to get back into Pokemon, Sword, or, uh, Pokemon Shield and then um, Dragon Quest XI. I've been trying to power through that on okay. PS4. Um, is that uh, similar to um, Octopath, where it's like old school sixteen bit art, or no? Well, it's funny enough that you mentioned that. Um, so it's 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 uh, Unreal Engine game. Okay. So it's uh, Dragon Quest is kind of the grandfather of RPGs uh, in the West. Um, it's like that in Wizardry back in the eighties. It's a NES and Famicom game series, um, but. It's, it's a pretty graphically amazing game, but on the Switch version, which is the version I recommend, it's the Definitive Edition, you not only get um, access to the or- orchestrated music over the midis, but also you can toggle between the Unreal version of the game and the a 16-bit look. Wow. So if cool. you are kind of on that Octopath high and you're like, I have to keep rolling with this and I want to play a game... 
get get Dragon Quest Eleven S Definitive Edition on Switch, and you can toggle back and forth. And that that's that's cool enough to me that I want to beat it on PS4. You know, I got it on the PS4 Pro, and I'm playing it on the 4K. But eventually, I want to get it on the Switch and play I, the 16-bit version on the go. Yeah, it's awesome. That sounds super cool. I always uh, looked at Dragon Quest with like a lot of admiration uh, mm-hmm. for the art style, mostly because the like illustrations that i would always see in like ads for it toriyama uh yeah the same illustrator for like the dragon ball series Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if that ever wasn't true or if it's always been true if it's still true for current iterations oh yes but as a kid you could tell it was the same artist it Mm -hmm. was the same illustrator and that made that game that much more like mysterious and appealing so I, I always looked at that game as like a series I would want to get into. So maybe I'll have to give that a try. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think on Switch you have at least a good handful of like RPGs to choose from. Uh, same on PS4. I think either of those systems are great if you're like an RPG lover, an mm-hmm. RPG fan. Xbox One. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. PC, you always have options just because there's so many. And and with PC, it's not really kind of split as much by generations. You're really, as, as long as your hardware can run it or you can run DOSBox, yeah. you can play Back to the Past. Something I was thinking about lately, uh, what do you think of Nintendo, like, fully 100% going all in on Switch as, like, the end-all, be-all solution for gaming Meaning, like, it is a handheld and it's a console. Do you think that all systems made by Nintendo from this point forward will be this same um, sort of platform, the same... Hybrid. Yeah, hybrid solution. I think that it's the best thing they've done in probably three generations. Oh, yeah. Um, Maybe we can be praised for some of the innovations on, like, the control scheme and everything. Um, but I think as far as the importance of it, I, I want to say that only, like, Game Boy Advance had the same kind of impact because, like, everybody knew about Game Boy, but Game Boy Advance is kind of the entire reason that Nintendo took over as, like, the handheld dominator, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and then the DS was kind of a revolution in that regard. But then they, they kind of... The DS and Wii time, I thought, was a big point where you could really see Nintendo getting in over its head as far as yeah. they had some runaway successes. But as they moved to HD, like with you know the Wii U, um, they just didn't have the fire and the manpower, I think, or the you know the years of practice to, to make it work and pump out games in a timely manner. Yeah. And I think what you're saying too i agree with i think the switch is such a runaway because it is a fusion of those two platforms and the 3ds is still around but it's kind of fading right but i think if nintendo is smart they will continue at least another generation with a hybrid because if you could imagine next generation maybe playing switch like switch pro or switch 2 like a 4k tablet you know or maybe something um just that has all the 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 all the boots on the ground of Nintendo behind it. Um, it doesn't even matter how strong the tech is to a certain point because it's Nintendo and you can play it on the go or on your TV. Yeah. And a lot of people now are like, like for example, Witcher Three just came out on the Switch, and I have like one of our friends, Ty. 
he was debating getting it on the Switch or the PS4. I think he ultimately went PS4, but he was debating the Switch for a long time just because maybe graphically the fidelity might be less, but he can play it on the go. Yeah. He can play it anywhere. And I think that it's that's a big strength for Switch. So I hope that if they don't continue with that, um, they at least can go back to it at some point. Just because as much as I do miss dedicated handhelds, I don't see how Nintendo could go back. I think that they've kind of realigned their niche. And for a while, it made sense to have both the handheld and the console because the console was uh, inexpensive for them to produce. Like this is uh, when they were kind of peaking as like taking over the gaming market as far as like families are concerned. Mm -hmm. That was when we and DS were the two like dominators and it was like the number of units sold for Wii's like far outpaced Xbox 360 and PS3 and And you started to see like every household had a Wii every household had you know Mario Kart had Wii bowling Wii bowling tennis every kid on earth between the ages of like 15 and 20 has played Wii sports with their grandparents not every kid on earth I'm obviously being (laughs) every single kid on earth even kids not here yet (laughs) <laughs> so hyperbole <But>. <laughs> aside, most kids in like developed, you know, uh, countries are, that are, playing are playing video games that are playing video games or not probably played Wii Sports. Yeah, I'd say that. Dare I say, I think Wii Sports is probably the most played game of all. It's time. like the most eponymous. Like, yeah, yeah with, like with casual gaming. single person's played Wii Bowling. But all right. And with that, let's take a break for one second here and we will be right back. All right, and we are back. And uh, over the break, we stumbled upon a JP. What's up, dude? Hey, thank you for letting me in your house. It was very cold. Yeah, I mean, I would have left him out there, but, you know. To rot and die like (laughs) like a pig in the mud. As always. Um, Well, um, anyway, we were, before the break, we were discussing um, Nintendo's kind of convergence of its mobile and, um, or handheld and TV-based consoles, and whether or not we think they'll continue that going forward. What do you think? Well, I think they'd be stupid not to. I mean, the, the mobile gaming market has become such a monstrous entity. Like, we've gotten to the point now where mobile gaming has taken over, like, a majority share of it. Like mobile and handheld, or just, like... No, like no, phone, I mean, like phone, phone games, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, it's crazy. So they are dipping their toes into that as well. We are uh, thinking moving forward, they will always have their like console, quote unquote, also be, be portable, also and, be a hand. And I think that's them combating it because I think, and I, I mean, I don't know this, I don't have market shares in Nintendo. Yes, he does. Cut that other fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be it would be silly of them to try and combat mobile gaming by having a handheld out. I'm sure the 3ds has done well enough, but I think. In recent years, with the explosion of mobile gaming, there's I don't think it would be cost effective for them to actually release any kind of a handheld, a dedicated handheld, because it's just I don't think it's practical in this day and age. I think that so much of shit in our lives is so much on the go. Like that's why the Switch is so popular, and it's so it's doing so well is because of that. Yeah, and before you got here, I had mentioned the same thing with like. Even games that are technically inferior on the Switch are oft times being chosen 
for like the switch counterpart because you can play it in the park or when you're alone on the train and you know hating your life or when you're in the backseat of a car whatever also hating <clears throat> your life yes anytime uh but it's 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 the flexibility to be able to just it's it's the it's one of the first times where I've seen a commercial be 100% accurate, maybe not the rooftop switch parties or whatever, but where it's like you're playing Zelda on your TV, you got to go, pull your switch out of the dock, you're still going. You know what I mean? So have you guys tried, speaking of mobile, have you guys tried any of the Nintendo mobile games? <clears throat> I briefly dipped into Mario Run when it came out, but I didn't pay for it and I kind of fell off. I, I yeah. briefly played Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, but again, it felt kind of lackluster for me, so I fell off. What about you guys? <clears throat> I think the the answer for that is I have played a few minutes of Mario Run and Mario Kart for how is the Mario Kart? Uh, it's good. The <clears throat> controls are a little. I mean, I come from Mario Kart on consoles, right? So if your expectation is this is going to play exactly like Mario Kart on, you're going to be disappointed. It doesn't play like that. It's a touchscreen game. You're doing some simple movements on the touchscreen to get like a drift and flow going, but you will need to adjust to it. It took me a few minutes to get the hang of it, and I would probably need a couple hours on it to feel super comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but I think having the notion in mind that like these aren't for mainstream hardcore Nintendo gamers. They're for people who maybe have never played a game on a console or PC. They're for, you know, older generations and younger generations where like you can trust that if you hand your your kid's phone over after installing Mario Run, he's not going to run into any weird like microtransactions or at least none that are going to be very easily accessible. It's Nintendo safe. And the yeah. content is safe. Yeah. So I think Nintendo knowing that they have the trust of like parents and families and starting to invest in that market share where you can actually sell like a $4 game to a kid. That's super smart of them and they should continue to do it um, because there are a lot of like quote unquote gamers that don't want to buy a switch and they don't want to buy a PC. Maybe they gamed when they were kids or something and they enjoy playing on their phone but not enough to like go out and buy an actual system. They want to see a franchise they recognize, <clears throat> but they don't want to spend $300 on something to play it on. Yeah. What do you think, JP? Have you played any of these? I have not played any of the Nintendo mobile games. I mean, I they looked interesting enough, but at the same time, I was just also... I think this is all around the time that I bought a Wii U, and I think... Um, you were the other one that bought one. Yeah, nice. I didn't I know. know anybody else. Yeah, nice. we, were, we were hanging out and uh, <clears throat> enjoying uh, our mutual poor decisions together. We decided, <laughs> you know what, let's stack another one on there and buy a fucking Wii U. <laughs> I, I think I was so burned because I just kept looking at it, and I was just like, what am I doing with my life? That I, I didn't have the time to download any of the Nintendo mobile games. I think I was just burned. You know, I will say about the Wii U, I have felt burned in some ways, but the games that were good <clears throat> and the games that, especially the ones that haven't been ported to Switch, I had a blast. I oh, mean, the absolutely. Zelda games in HD, um, even like Captain Toad on there, even though that's been ported, um, the Mario Brothers games, Wonderful 101. Um, it's Bayonetta just, 2. Yes, and it just, it seemed like such a system that just was marketed so poorly and everyone's talked it into the dirt but it's just it's everyone's 
it was marketed so poorly. And let's face it, the gamepad was, it wanted to be Lego, but it was Mega Bloks. I mean, it oh, was just Jesus. very Duplo. Like, just like very, uh, I don't know. It. I feel like the Switch is just a natural evolution of that, obviously. But I just, I wish the Wii U got a little more credit, but I also wish it didn't tank. I, I, I think you're, hint- you're, you're hitting on something very <clears throat> important there. Like, this was the forerunner to the Switch. Yep. Yeah. And I think Nintendo realized, like, hey, this gamepad isn't Good. terrible, but the fact that you also have a brick, like, right by your TV, yeah. and you have to worry about both of these devices, and there's, you know, it's th- that... that codependence on brand like, confusion yeah it just didn't <clears throat> did didn't come across as like a strong <clears throat> design and the switch is like yes there's the dock but so user that's, friendly yeah it's mm-hmm. you understand it after using it for like 10 minutes you've got the whole concept you can play it you know on your lap while you're watching tv or something or if you feel like it throw it on the big screen and enjoy the controller and there's you know, no compromises. Right. I mean, you you lose a little bit of power, but like you, when you're playing on that mobile screen, like the handheld screen, you're not usually missing it depending on yeah. the game. And I feel like the Wii U tried that so desperately. I remember like a, a friend would be watching something on TV or playing a different game. I'd be playing on the Wii U gamepad, but it was just so cheap Cumbers. and so have, clunky. Yeah, I have cumbersome. a memory <clears throat> of you playing with a controller and the Wii U gamepad for some game and like swapping back and forth between the controller and the gamepad oh and it just looked so like frenetic and crazy. Yeah. Not you, but I mean right. like what you what was required of you to like progress through the game. And <clears throat> I was like, I don't know how they could ever sell this system as like fun and accessible when you have to go through all of the rigmarole just to like progress through, oh, and of yeah. course they could have designed games to like not implement the gamepad at all, but then that aspect of the system is a failure. Like it, if it, you're not using <clears throat> all of this room, then what was the point of designing it that way? Right, and I feel like Nintendo themselves had to use it because it was their child, their system, and if they were like, you know what? Forget the gamepad for this game. It's like, well, why should I fucking put a gamepad yeah. feature in my game then? But what happened was later in the se- in like the life of the console, it just turned into a map tablet. Like I would yep. use yeah. it when I played um, <clears throat> Wind Waker or even like Mario Kart. I'd have the tablet for Mario Kart on the table using a Wiimote, but I'd use have the tablet on the table and everybody looked at it for their map. Or I'd use it in Pikmin 3 for a map. And it just... There weren't enough experiences like Star Fox Guard or Star Fox whatever on Wii U, but then again, that was just an okay game. And I think my <clears> biggest <throat> issue is, like, the game... The only game that I can recall that... I, I think it was uh, Super Mario 3D World or Land. Like I forget 2.5 3D or It was whatever. the one where you turn into a fucking cat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got... They're so bad at branding those games. <laughs> it. I just remember there were moments where I was like, okay, I, I have to use a controller because I hate playing on this big clunky mess. And then it would get to a part where like you have to raise a platform and it would very gently be like, use the game pad. Blow into the microphone on your game pad. And I was just, I I, I, I was looking at it like it was a, a dog that just pissed on the rug. I'm like, don't know. Stop it. And then, of course, your gamepad is dead because the battery life was advertised as two minutes. And so the gamepad <laughs> is dead. And then you're like, well, I got to fucking find the charger. 
I gotta plug it in so I can uh, blow into the mic and raise this platform so Captain Toad doesn't have an aneurysm. Yeah, like, Nintendo's <clears throat> always, <clears throat> you know, for the last like at least ten years, but probably going on like fifteen years. Nintendo has been the brand of like a unique and uniform experience. Like when you're going through the game, any of those weird like sensory requirements, well, I blow into the microphone. Well, it was on DS. It was right in front of your face. So all you had to do was like lean down a little bit and blow. Or on Wii, it would be like, okay, now you're at a new part. You actually have to like rattle the controller instead of pointing and, and clicking. And they also but had it's the little, in your hand. You can just do it. They had the mic on the, uh, I th- I, maybe I'm misremembering that, but in Donkey Kong Country Returns, there was a thing where Donkey Kong has to like blow on a dandelion or something like mm-hmm. that, and I think that you actually blow into the Wii controller. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe that never happened. Maybe on GamePad, mm-hmm. if that was for Wii U or something. I don't think yeah, the Wiimotes had microphones it, on them. They had speakers. Yeah, and if you're but, when you're playing um, New Mario Bros. on the Wii, you and you're like shaking when you're in the bubble trying to come back to the level, yeah. and in the thing, in the bubble, you hear like a hey. Help me. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. It's Mr. Bill. He's <laughs> gonna hurt me again. <laughs> but yeah. don't pop my bubble. Let but, me live. <laughs> but like they use mechanics like that when it it you know for the most part when it makes sense to. But the failing of Wii U was that it just didn't make sense. It wasn't a continuous experience. It you would have to like fun. literally stop playing, stop doing what you're doing to pick up a different controller that you like. You know, it kind of felt like the uh, GameCube controller that's a keyboard. Like, that's yeah. what I felt like when I would yeah. pick that thing up. It was so broad and big, and it just was like, this is a weird experience. And I'm sure for some games, it was, like, actually, to you know, to a T, it was perfect. But for the vast majority of games I played on, like, your system, it just felt unnecessary. Yeah. Or at the very cumbersome. least, cumbersome. Yeah. I know I played Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and... It's, I think what they used the gamepad for that was, I mean, it's a cute idea. They get texts from the other characters who will send stuff to you. And they're, like, really charming and fun and cute. And then I immediately was like, I hope none of these are ever fucking important because I'm not using them. <laughs> I, I'm going to miss a lot of plot. But... Oh, well, I'm putting this away. Yeah. Yep, turn the display off. And it just, it's a bummer. I will, I, I recently kind of redid my game room when, uh, when we moved. And... I have a lot more consoles hooked up now, so I'm using the Wii U to kind of play through Wind Waker and finish that up as the HD remake. And I'll always have a special place for the Wii U. It'll always have a spot for me to play games on it, but the Switch is just such a a refreshing kind of revelation for a system. And you don't own one yet, do you, JP? Or? Do you want to know something absolutely despicable? And I'm revealing this here for the first time. An exclusive, oh, folks. Boy. <laughs> Calm down. And we might have to censor this. I have never played a Switch. Never. Oh, God. Dude, doesn't it, give you, doesn't it make you sick? The rest of my hair just fell out. That's, yeah, so did I've, mine <laughs> a couple years ago. Um, so you, you've never... You've, have you... Jesus. I really? do, isn't it sick? It's it's well, I, we're gonna have to after this podcast we're just gonna have to fix that because it is it is the best Nintendo system in oh, since before the Wii I'd say since the Wii U since the, yeah <laughs> of course but I do I I, I I I see the games they look fantastic I it looks exciting I would love to 
And I think that I have just become that cheap fuck who all that I do is I'm like, well, I can't buy a Switch. What about all the Wii U games I played? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I, I haven't beaten all of them. I haven't played all of them. I can't, it's not backwards compatible, so I can't do this. It's, it's really a, just a sickness. It's that's, a, that's the sunken cost fallacy where you're like, I'm so invested in this thing that even if a like good or better experience is out there and I could just get it it's a toxic relationship it, it would be a waste mm. to not use what i've got it's the yes. people who backed yeah. hd dvd over blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> they're like and god they're damn it, well, I still, it. Almost, and there's there's all these forums you know and they're like well you know what uh, armageddon on hd dvd beat that blu-ray and it's like no you, i don't care it's like come on get out of my face but it's it's i'm sorry you know what though i, I owe i owe nintendo and this podcast an apology. We'll forgive you. I, I, I just think, you know, uh, you fall in line with the group of people I think that it would really appeal to. If you owned it, I think you'd enjoy it. But you're obviously not forced to. It's just yes, a matter of, like, if you ever have to decide, like, oh, would I want to invest in a new console or something? I think almost certainly for Switch, it would be something you would enjoy. I, th I think the Switch There's is... There's enough games on it that look like your style. I'm sure. The Switch I'm, is just the best system out right now, I believe. The PS4, for me, has been wonderful, and I love the, the 4K capabilities and everything. It has way more games than the Xbox, but just when a game is on PS4 and Switch, I tend to gravitate towards Switch. And I think my problem is I bought my PS4 maybe, like, last year i think year two ago yeah yeah and i mean i'm not gonna say i've been like getting my money's worth out of it but i think that's just because that's where i am in life i i get in this point where i'm like i don't know if i should be playing a game right now i should be doing something else so instead i just do nothing and i'm like well there's another day there's another day pissed <laughs> oh, on my legs that's or, just part of being an adult it's like even the things that you're like oh i could i i would love this game i've, I've already played it on a buddy's system or whatever it's like you just don't realize how many days out of the year, like, something comes up. You have to attend to. You just don't have... As often as we game, like, even then, we are still tending to responsibilities and choosing uh, chore over it's, gaming. You budget your time. Yeah. You really do. And for me, I, I'll definitely... You know, hop on a game now instead of for three hours, I might be on for 30 minutes. Yeah. But I might be able to do that multiple times in a day. But I'm just kind of picking up and playing for a little bit. Then, oh, well, I got to do the laundry or I have yeah. to go run an errand. Or it's just when you're, when you get to a certain point, at least for me in my life, I still want to game as much and I still endeavor to discover new experiences and, and have my love for this hobby. I mean, that's why we're doing the show, right? But, I, I strive for all that, but I know that it's really more of a chore to make the time versus before you could be like, I'm just going to, it's my Saturday, I'm going to play games for six hours or eight hours. Yeah. That that may happen, but it's very rare, and then I feel like a piece of shit afterwards. Yeah, unquestionably, and it's, it's, I feel like, I feel guilt if I'm not multitasking, and that's also making me lose knowledge of what I'm playing not even knowledge but just like I'm not, I'm not getting yeah. an experience so yeah. I'm like well if I'm going to be doing this I need to be listening to a podcast and I also need to be eating because <laughs> I need to, if I'm not yeah. doing all of this so I also you're wasting precious minutes yes yeah. I'm like oh my god my life and I mean granted like I've fucking seen my life it ain't that great so I ain't wasting shit but I promise folks JP is not this sad <laughs> <laughs> who are you promising me we're, we're, all, we're all crying on the like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in a weird place <laughs> <laughs> it, it is true, though, like, I have tilted my gaming 
pattern into more of a like a reward for the other stuff that I need to accomplish. And it's like, oh, okay, I spent an hour uh, doing laundry and dishes. I can play, you know, games for 20 minutes or so. And of course, a lot of nights I end up like gaming into like the late night. But that's because it's like it's the end of my night. I've earned a little bit of free time. Yeah, maybe you know, your not, significant other is asleep or yeah. whatever. You're like, I'm but, not ready. You but know. that's not – I almost never, like, get home from work, sit on the couch and game. Oh, it's shit. It's like I'll get home. No Maybe way. I'll sit for a second just to, like, catch up with with my wife. But then the moment it kicks in that, like, oh, shit, I've got some responsibility i got to take care of. It's like that's kind of the forefront of my mind. And yeah. there are exceptions. There are days where I do game a little bit before chores, but, like – almost every day the like impending doom of like existential oh, dread yeah yeah well it, just like knowing that there's something that needs to be done and if it's not done then like the stress will only compound from there it makes <laughs> gaming a lower priority and not because you know gaming is bad or that it's necessarily wasteful or anything i just think it is nice as an adult to treat it as like a reward for good behavior just and it's 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 one of those things it's that a it should be it's, it's, it should be it should make you happy you should I feel it's, happy you shouldn't game. feel obligated because fuck I bought this game and if yeah. I don't play it it's a waste of my money exactly. yep sell it and exactly. get a game that you want or just forget it you know but I, you know what do okay I'm gonna take a bold stance fuck gaming let's just stop no <laughs> Dan's game room does not support that statement in any way you know Let me, no, the even gaming that's like frustrating because it's challenging or because you're not skilled yet and you're like kind of growing it's like that can be a reward a reward in and of itself and uh i should know because i've been playing halo a lot lately and i've been getting frustrated and (laughs) it's very easy to slip into like rage mode where you're just like it's not going my way i want it to go my way and my expectations are not being met but i think even keeping that in mind like those games can be like a joy in and of themselves well, it's the grind. It's like playing Dark Souls. Right. You know what I mean? But I think what I'll say is there's no right or wrong amount of time to spend gaming or, you know, in a hobby in general, it should bring you happiness, fulfillment. I love not only gaming, but the technology around it, finding the best quality video source, finding the best video scalers or a CRTs or an OLED or whatever. I like to really delve into this hobby and I love the communities and I think that no matter how busy I get I'll always have that be a big part of me I mean most of the reason why I bought all this equipment was to do this podcast and it's like you really have to just do what makes sense for you I and think spark and joy your, and, spark, and yes spark I mean joy. you can't forget that because you the know joy I, of gaming. I, I would well just and just finding something that you can really enjoy your whole life. When I was six years old when I got my Game Boy Color and Pokemon Yellow, and it's like that will never be taken away from me. And I think a lot of gamers that are in their twenties, like us, or thirties, or forties, or plus, you really, you really keep this stuff in your life because it meant something to you at some point, and it puts hopefully- you, in, you it puts you in a specific mood. Mm-hmm. And I think the most critical <clears throat> part of that is also if it stops being something that you're doing it and you're enjoying it. If it's like if this feels like a chore, 
I'm not saying like fucking give up and stop, but reevaluate how you're doing it. Are you doing it as an escape and it's not comfortable anymore because you're doing it to get out of doing something else? Yeah. Is it right. not healthy? Yeah, are you doing it to avoid the yard work or whatever? Or are you doing it because in a way, I, I mean, video games, is, uh, uh, they're art. And they are, you can, I've learned a lot from gaming. I've learned ideas, concepts, words, um, and had a different appreciation for art. A lot of my art in my game room is either posters or um, fan-inspired, you know, pieces of art and different things like that. And it's like, I think that, like you're saying, you have to, you don't have to, well, you don't have to do anything, but I think it's more enjoyable if you're into a hobby or any kind of outlet for a creative or a good reason. If you're doing it to escape the reality of being an adult, it does kind of, I think, over time turn into more of a negative connotation and and i mean also like when it becomes when any kind of hobby is like a chore or a burden and you're looking at it like i mean granted gaming's kind of unique and that it really never is it is kind of an escapism so there is a level to it that's always going to be i'm gonna go into this fun little world and i'm gonna have fun and i'm gonna live out some kind of fantasy something like that (laughs) but it's there's always that level to it but once you're doing it solely for that and not for the joy and like actually getting into it and getting into that world and being excited once you're just using it to be like well i don't want to do anything i just want to pick up a controller look at a screen and die it's like fuck that (laughs) and every now and then maybe just assess like am i even having fun even if it's like a tedious part of the game that you're playing is overall, like, what you're going about, what you're trying to accomplish in the end, are you having fun? Are you enjoying yourself? Do you look forward to playing it? Not because you have other things going on and it would be nice to just, like, get away from those, but more like, is it capturing your attention and is it, you know, sparking your imagination? Are you investing yourself in, like, the story? And even if it's not story-driven, are you... Are you finding challenge for yourself, and is that like connecting? You know, are you are you making new connections in your brain? Right. Are you just sitting there like <laughs> rotting away? I mean, playing your Madden. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. <laughs> Sorry, Madden lovers. Right now, I I feel like attacked because the game I've been most recently playing. Oh no! Is exactly how I feel. How you just described. I'm just like it's not fun. I'm not enjoying well, dude, it. Well, dude, spill what, the beans. What, what is, is this it, game? brother? It's di- be Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. <laughs> okay. Okay. You, you, well, that, wh- that's why, not a bad it, why, game. It's not a bad game. It's not right, as what, bad as What uh, is the game and why don't you enjoy it? And why are you playing it if you don't enjoy it? Because I want to see a new Digimon show up when I click button and make, <laughs> and make big Digimon be fun. Yeah. I, how can I give up? I haven't made Omnimon yet. Well, but, my... But, my I mean, maybe the real challenge is giving up. <laughs> is, is how do you quit this thing? Only that you, quitters that you... realize they quit when they're quitting. Quit. Hold on. <laughs> I just mean, like, if you aren't enjoying it, truthfully, like, you, you can't even say, like, oh... It's not, know, the, it's, and, and, it's not even that it's a bad game. I'm not like, this game is just garbage. I hate it. It's more that I'm just like... 
I am grinding these Digimon to become different Digimon, and because like I liked Digimon as a kid, I think like that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. Because are you doing it because you feel like you should enjoy it, even if you I don't? I think that's what it is, and that's that's Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee for me. God, because it's like no, I stopped playing it. Fuck I that game. You it. know what? I'll stay. Fuck that game. Oh, that it, looks it looks like a pile of shit. Well, it's 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 very nostalgic, and I'm like, cool. Pokemon Yellow yeah. was my first game, like I said, and it's like. I'm very strongly attached to it, but you know what, Pokemon Yellow fans? Go play Pokemon Yellow, because Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee is a Pokemon Go game. But not to pull away from your Digimon game, but that, to <laughs> me, that really sounds like Thanks, the same no, thing. No, but, I mean, it's, it, it raises a good point, and there are there are games that we're all playing or we're investing time in, and it's hard to recognize, like, is this just not what I'm supposed to Am I guilting like, myself yeah. into playing this piece Is of this shit? a time sink? It's yeah. almost it's almost like I had said before you got here. I was talking to Dan about games that I had like I'd I'd really uh driven myself to try and finish some games that I had started because I have a bad habit of not finishing them. Gamer ADD. And there were a couple that I had finished, but there are a couple that I left on the table as some new releases came out. So I kinda like I felt like I fell into those same old habits. Part of me thinks though that like maybe some games just like you don't Shouldn't have to finish them. Yeah. They're not for you. Like you didn't like it or you didn't, it, even if you didn't dislike it, it didn't grab you and games that you play should like grab you. You, you should want. It's not an obligation. Advance. Yeah. It's not, you an don't obligation. owe that game anything. Yep. And also don't feel the need to buy a game on day one. In fact, most Fuck of the time, no. most of the time I'll say, especially if it's a non Nintendo game, that's going to be half price in six months. Anyway, just, just wait. Just wait. Don't pre-order it. Um, if you got to get the special edition, whatever, I get it. But cool. it's just like, I've done that too. But it's just like, give it a chance because you have other things to play. Like, I really want Luigi's Mansion 3. I really want Link's Awakening, the remake or whatever. I really want some of these games. But they're going to be waiting for you. And if they're Nintendo, they're going to be the same price in three years anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, so it doesn't, like, you can buy it today or you can buy it at fucking like, tell doomsday. Don't, don't invest, don't pre-invest your money and cheat yourself out of getting something, ripping the packaging open and just yeah. enjoying the hell out of it. And if you, like I said, if at any more, and I'm a collector, but if I get a game now and I'm like, this is kind of bullshit, I'm going to, I'm starting to get a stack together of stuff to just sell and get, you know, just move on. Yeah, and it's I, time. Cut your losses. You had, it, it, you know, you if you something. went to a restaurant and you had a terrible meal or even a bad meal, I guess I'm gonna keep eating it. Like, would you? <laughs> I would order another one. Would, <laughs> would you immediately go back to that same restaurant? Fuck no. no. You would be like, well, I had a pretty bad experience here, and I don't feel like even risking it again, right? So why is it that? I mean, yeah, I mean, you it's paid like, yeah, 40, 50, 60 bucks for this video game, and that sucks that it's a higher initial investment. But imagine going back to that same restaurant and being like, maybe the next meal will be different. Maybe I will buy another EA game. And then you do it again, you're like, this is the same as every other FIFA I've ever played or another, maybe, every other Madden. Maybe they won't put microtransactions in the new Crash They're not going to do loot boxes. <laughs> I, I cannot <laughs> fucking believe they put microtransactions in Crash Team Racing. Was that Activision or who did that? Activision did it. I'm sorry, EA and Activision to me are just like so synonymous they, they, with their shitty garbage practices. The last good, and I'm sure yeah, this is going to get a lot of hate or whatever, but I'm, the last good Activision game that I can remember playing was uh, like Tony Hawk Underground 2. Tony Hawk like, 5, 12 no, years ago. You know, yeah. for another episode of the of Dan's Game Room, we did 
the Tony Hawk series, and I went out, I bought, I spent $20 cold hard cash on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5. The guy at the game store was like, please don't. Like and I was like and I, and I was like and I was like I know I know I know it's 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 for a video it's for a, a podcast we know it's BS and I got it back and to the house and I was playing and I was like what the fuck happened this is a terrible game and this, it's like this is you're looking at a deadline I it's games that there are games that I have played that feel rushed you are feeling the developers with a cigarette hanging out of their mouths sweating bullets and panicking because they're like i don't know how to make this work and i know that it won't but i'm gonna do what i can and it's gonna fail it's 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 a cash grab it's interesting to me to play games like that like the game that i will never forget that i i pay i didn't pay for i got it as a gift and I rented it. It was Spyro Year of the Dragonfly. That Ooh. dog shit one. Is that bad? Is it it's that? awful. Yes. It's on <laughs> PS2 and GameCube. It was... I that, remember... I can picture the cover. Yeah. It was them going off. It was after they sold the Spyro IP and Insomniac went on to do Ratchet and Clank after that. And didn't they... Was that the same time like they sold... Crash to Crash. Crash got sold off as well. And I feel from like Naughty those, Dog. those two franchises, I think, really kind of fell off the they map. They just completely were horrible. And after when that. I've and when I've worked in game stores, there are very big supporters of some of the Crash games on PS2, and these guys will defend them until the day they die. And I'm sure that some of these games are decent, but it's just like when you go from the amazing type platforming of the PS1 games, and then you go to like, there's a reason why. The PS2 games haven't been remade. There's a reason yes. why we're playing Crash 1 through 3 today and Spyro Which, 1 through 3 today versus And, the, and the those remakes ones. are really good, but, like, again, if you play... The the Crash, the attempt at bringing Crash onto the PlayStation 2, Crash Wrath of Cortex, has so many terrible flaws. However, I don't think it's a bad game. Spyro Year of the Dragonfly is a goddamn nightmare. That's awesome. I love hearing about bullshit. It's worth playing because the framework... (laughs) It's worth playing, like, if you can get it for, like, $5 just for the experience of how terrible it is because I have never seen frame rate worse. If you breathe fire, which, granted, you do every fucking level! Spyro? Fire? Yeah, I know, it's crazy. And he breathes fire and the frame rate dips to, like, five? And I'm like... What is happening? This runs like choppy. Goes to shit. DOS mode. It's it's a tra- yeah. You see the you see the prompt. The command prompt. Yeah. yeah, you are bullshit. Yes, and and all of these levels where like characters' voices change like mid line, and you're seeing you're seeing failure, and it's fascinating because you know that you can see behind the curtain too much. And I like experiences like that, not because I'm like, what a fun game, but I'm like, you see why they made these decisions. Like, at some point, Sparks, your little dragonfly, you do a mission for a character, and it's like, all right, great, you won. Then Sparks, your little dragonfly buddy, comes up and he goes, hey, that guy didn't say this, but there's another mission in this area. And I'm like... The only reason that this character's telling me that is because they didn't fucking record the lines for the other character to do this. So they had the other guy in the booth and they're like, Jesus, we got Bill. I heard that we gotta do this. It's 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 
fascinating and how terrible it is and how everything everything in that game makes it feel like it's it was done by accident it's like we it's like we, mass effect andromeda yes where, you know or it's like everybody just looks it's uncanny valley it yeah. looks we were talking like about shit. we were talking about uncanny valley earlier before the podcast keith and i were and it's like sometimes you just you just hate something based on the visual design and just the fact that that game is so polarizing based on that alone rip but anyway um i guess in summary uh Play what you want to play. Spyro, you're the dragon. That's the only game. Uh, play what you want to play. Do what feels right. And f- if you are into gaming, if you if you if you enjoy playing games, just make it a positive experience for yourself and use it as whatever outlet you need to do. If you're a masochist like JP with Enter the Dragonfly, or if you want to play, you know, timeless classics like Enter the Dragonfly, uh, you just really make. Make it something that you can enjoy because ultimately this is a hobby, gaming, and that's why we're all talking about it, and that's why we continue to do it even in our late 20s um, and beyond. Late 20s. <laughs> the twilight of our youth. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, so Dan's Game Room is back. Um, before it was kind of every Sunday. Um, I'll be a little less frequent now, but my goal is uh, one or two episodes per month still releasing on Sundays, and we're available wherever podcasts are streaming. But uh, JP, Keith, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right, until next time.